Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And if you're just coming off of the venting episode, welcome to the actually happy part of the episode. Uh, but we're just going to go over the coordinator news, basically, then Aaliyah Carter coming back, then the men and women's basketball team. But let's just go ahead and dive straight into the offensive coordinator news. Um, it, as we mentioned in the venting episode, Colin Klein took a job, took a position at Texas A&M. Obviously, wish all the best to him. Uh, I understand why people would be upset with him, but I still wish all the best to him. But it seems that, at least for the bowl game, according to public reporting from 24-7, that uh, Connor Riley will, the offensive line coach as of right now, uh, will be calling the plays for the bowl game. Um, I have thoughts. I have thoughts. And uh, there is technically uh, another full-time candidate that is semi-public out there. We're not going to say it out of respect for paywalled information. But if you've looked on Twitter or listen to an episode we made literally two years ago, uh, you know who the person is. But I think the main focus right now for us is going to be talking about what we think of Connor Riley in the interim and as the potential guy going forward. Um, first things first, Avery is still staying alongside Connor Riley. Uh, and until proven otherwise, I'm just going to assume that Connor Riley will be the full-time hire. Uh, I think that that is a safe assumption, <laughs> but Connor, do you, before I spew thoughts, do you have any overarching opinions that you wish to, to state? Um, just that I'm, the other name that's been floated around, I would be ecstatic if we got that person, but I do agree with you. I think it's probably going to end up being Connor Riley. And I'm willing to give him a game in the bowl game. I'm willing to like see what you can do because we don't really know anything about his play calling philosophies. Uh, this will be his first time as an offensive coordinator um, for this uh, upcoming game, so I'm interested to to say the least. I, I want to know what he's he's gonna do, like what his uh, tendencies are like. Um, I don't think it's a super inspiring offensive coordinator pick, but I'm definitely open to the possibility. And I'm interested uh, to, to, to see what ultimately comes of it and uh, uh, what type of OC he maybe could be. Because I, I, I'm with you. I, I do think he'll be the, the permanent hire probably. But I, I'm, I'm definitely interested. I have made, on, on Twitter, I've made my initial thoughts relatively well known. If it is the full-time hire, I... I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm not a fan from the outset. But that being said, I I think everyone deserves a chance. And I, I'm interested to see what Connor Riley will do. Uh, a lot of people have drawn comparisons between this hire and Colin Klein getting the, the hire, the nod for the bowl game a couple years ago. To me, I, I don't... It, Okay, I want to make clear that 
the reason why I'm not necessarily on board with the hire has very little to do with the fact that it's a strictly internal hire. There was one internal hire that I actually would have been fine with, despite the fact that I think it would have started worse than a Connor, Connor Riley would have been. Um, I said it that if LePac is half the wonderkind that we've been told, uh, he could hit the ground running and grow grow pains and just deal with the growing pains. The reason why I'm not necessarily a big fan of the Connor Riley hire is because to me it seems like a very low ceiling hire. And I'm not sure the floor is high enough to justify such a low ceiling hire. I think Connor Riley, I think the absolute ceiling for Connor Riley is being a fine to like good play caller. I don't think he ever breaks anywhere past like the sixth or the fifth or sixth best play caller in the Big 12. And, you know, sometimes that's all you need, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be happy with it. I think the ceiling for Con. I don't think that this is, if the hire is made full-time, I'm not necessarily sure that it's a hire that would immediately blow up in K-State's face. I just think it would go down as a really, really middling hire. And this is despite the fact that I have all the respect in the world for Connor Riley as an offensive line coach. I think he's an amazing offensive line coach. He might be one of, if not the best, offensive line coaches in the new Big 12, especially now that Texas is gone. <laughs> but I the, I can make myself okay with the hire, even if there are a lot of other possibilities that I would prefer. Most notably, the other name that has been floated alongside for the coordinator search. And I think a lot of people will get caught on the fact that Connor Riley has no current play calling experience. Uh, I don't disagree with those people. Yeah, yeah, it, it's definitely uh, not a shocking pick by Kleiman. And I, I am also a little worried by the fact he doesn't have experience calling the plays. Um, it's good that he does have a lot of experience as a coach. Uh, he has been around the game a long time, but still he hasn't been an offensive coordinator before. I know Colin Klein hadn't really been the primary play caller before. He had had one season under Bill Snyder as a co-offensive coordinator, but he wasn't calling the plays, and that hardly counts. <laughs> that, but uh, he he still ended up being pretty good. But there's just a lot of uncertainty, I guess, with that on our end. And at the same time, it is kind of an uninspired hire as well to elevate from within. But I'm still willing to give him a shot in the bowl game. I'm interested to see how different we look, if at all, and like what he wants to do differently, what he wants to maintain. Uh, but the important part is that it seems Avery Johnson is committed going forward. Uh, he's changed his number to his high school number, uh, which is pretty neat. And then... Uh, uh, should be starting the bowl game. So hopefully uh, Connor Riley and Avery Johnson are able to figure something out before the uh, uh, the bowl game that uh, would have been just as, just as effective as if uh, Colin Klein had been doing it. So. Uh, one final note is that my main concern does not lie with the running game because he is the current running game coordinator. I, in fact, I... 
running plays might not move the needle at all for me watching the bowl game. It may not move the needle at all. I really want to see him and how he calls the the passing game. That being said, if he runs a single bubble screen, I will immediately be banging the table for him to be hired. But <laughs> any any final thoughts on that before we move on? Um, no, just interested to see how it plays out over this next month. Yep. So now we can move on to a little bit of Volley Cats news. And after initially thinking that it was a no-brainer and then being worried about it, and now we're back to it being confirmed, Aaliyah Carter will be rejoining the Volley Cat team next year, which is a massive retention, I suppose is the way to put it. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's a massive retention. So the only person we'll be losing from this last year's team is Cindy Bolding. Yeah, uh, it's huge to to get her to stick around for her uh, fifth season or last season of eligibility. Because before the season, she had said that she was going to come back, and then by the end of the year, she was kind of on the fence. Uh, but she has announced that she is going to come back for one last year at K-State, which I'm super happy about uh, because she was awesome uh, this season. Uh, she really had a return to form and was uh, doing some of the things that we had gotten used to her first couple of years and didn't see of see, didn't see as much of last year, uh, meaning uh, 2022. Uh, but this season, 2023, she was really good. And I, I think that the... A volleyball team is going to be back with a vengeance in the uh, uh, 2024 season uh, with uh, so many players returning. So I, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm happy that she's coming back as well because she's a very fun player to watch as well on the uh, volleyball floor. So Yeah, and uh, it's, you know, they're going to come back with a vengeance. Hopefully they do what the Bad Cats do and come in preseason ranked after getting, after getting RPI. <laughs> Yeah, they, they had a very similar season in a lot of ways, but I, I think there's a lot of lessons that you can take from that and learn from it and uh, come back and be more competitive. So I, I think that that's probably the goal. They they showed down the stretch of the season that they uh, they definitely were much improved and they come a long way from the start of the season. Yeah. So with that bit out of the way, here's a quick word from today's sponsor. And welcome back to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, a weekly recap going into men's catsketball. Uh, obviously, the only men's catsketball news that happened this week at all. Uh, no other notable events transpired. But the first game that we're discussing is a 75-74 to overtime victory over Northern Alabama, uh, or North Alabama. I'm not sure there's a distinction, but uh, I didn't watch this game. I was with my parents watching Napoleon, and uh, it sounds like you and I had equally bad times. <laughs> yeah, this was not a very fun game uh, from the uh, K-State perspective. It was a really bad shooting night for everybody, really. Uh, no one could get it going. Uh, just all around awful. Uh, three for 18 on the game from three... Uh, just 35% from the floor. Uh, luckily, we took 48 free throws in this game and made 34 of them. Uh, Arthur Kaluma was 10 of 12 on his free throws. Tyler Perry was 9 of 11 on his free throws. So those two really kind of carried us to victory there from the free throw stripe. 
but yeah, we were not shooting well, and North Alabama was shooting very well from three. They had a guy go six of twelve, uh, and yeah, they ended up shooting thirty-six ish percent, ten of twenty-eight from the field. Uh, the tally and Brown for North Alabama went six of twelve from the field. All of them were threes and had nineteen points. Uh, they just made big shot after big shot. They took a lot of free throws as well. They went 22 of 28. But K-State, again, had that late game magic, and they were able to uh, just escape with a win against a not-good basketball team, a North Alabama team that was missing their best player as well. Uh, So we really kind of got away with one uh, in this game. Tyler Perry had a uh, big three... Uh, at the end of regulation to send this to overtime. And then K-State was able to make their overtime magic happen. This was their second overtime victory in a row as well. And what you'd rather not do it against uh, suboptimal <laughs> suboptimal opponents, but they, they still managed to get it done. There's still a few notable performances, though, uh, which I guess I'll get into the starters here. Uh, Tyler Perry, he played 40 minutes, had 16 points on 3 of 9 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. Of course, that one made 3 was a big one, and then 9 of 11 from the free throw stripe. And then he had 4 fouls, 6 assists, 3 turnovers, and a steal. So, not the most efficient shooting night, but really nobody had an efficient shooting night outside of a couple of players, and that was just because they happened to be tall and make layups. Uh, <laughs> Cam Carter also did not have a very good shooting night. He uh, had 14 points on 5 of 17 from the field, missing a lot of uh, shots at the rim as well, which was uh, pretty unfortunate. Uh, Played 43 minutes, 1 of 6 from 3, 3 of 6 at the free throw line, 4 rebounds, 0 assists, 2 turnovers, 3 fouls, a block, and 2 steals for Cam Carter. Then after that, you have Arthur Kaluma, who had perhaps the worst shooting night of them all. Uh, but he did make up for it on the free throw line. He had 12 points, but was 1 of 10 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3, 10 of 12 at the free throw line, had 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 turnovers. So got kind of close to a double-double, 12 points, 8 rebounds. Uh, flirted with it, but not quite enough. David Gasson, he played 28 minutes, finished with 12 points, was 5 of 6 from the field, 2 of 4 at the free throw line. He had 7 rebounds, 4 fouls, 1 assist, and a block. Uh, so solid stat line there for David Gasson, although he still has his moments. And then Day Day Ames was the final starter. He played 30 minutes and had two points, uh, just made two free throws and missed all of his shots from the field. And he had two rebounds, three assists, one turnover, and a steal. So an okay day, but not a really impactful day for uh, uh, for Day Day Ames, unfortunately. But that's... Uh, that's just gonna how that's just how it's gonna be sometimes for the uh, uh, younger guys. They're just gonna have some days where it isn't their day. Yeah. In terms of bench players, you have Jarrell Colbert, 16 minutes, 10 points on three of five from the field, four of seven from the free throw line, eight boards, one foul, two blocks. Then R.J. Jones, who will now officially be taking over the title of Good Job R.J. Uh, hereby decreed by me. Uh, 17 minutes, 6 total points, 1 of 3 from the field, 1 3 made, and then 3 of 3 on his free throw attempts. With 3 boards, 1 foul, 1 assist, 1 turnover, 1 block, and 1 steal. So he was 1 block away from stuffing the stat sheet with every stat. (laughs) And then Buddy Rich, uh, 13 minutes, 3 points, 1 of 1 from the field, 1 of 3 on his free throw attempts. 
one board, two fouls, and then one steal. Uh, like I said, I wasn't able to watch this game. The only thing I was able to watch was the highlights they showed at the very end of the Villanova game. And if that was the only thing I knew from the game and also didn't know we were playing North Alabama, I'd be like, wow, nice win. What's next? 1-0. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was not a fun watch for most of it. Uh, the only time I was even a little bit happy was when Tyler Perry hit the big three. And uh, then when we kind of pulled away in overtime. Although they did, North Alabama did hit a buzzer beater right as time expired to make it a one-point game. Uh, this really was 75-71. This is kind of similar to when Nigel Pack hit like a half-court three against Iowa State. State. Uh, and the Bruce's final home game. To make it a one-point loss uh, didn't really mean a whole lot. Oh, and also one more thing about this game. Uh, Will McNair uh, did not play for uh, disciplinary reasons. Uh, he warmed up, but Drum Tang benched him, and he did not play in this game, uh, which was a little surprising. Kind of came out of nowhere. Same thing as the Arthur Kaluma situation, at least I think it, it was, or at least in terms of how it came out of nowhere. But case it escapes with the win uh, two times in a row against far inferior opponents. So... Yeah, so uh, let, our our hopes for this next game weren't exactly high, and then we you know just beat Villanova, seventy two to seventy one in overtime. What? <laughs> I, that's that is my. I watched this game and I still don't really know how we won. I'm happy we did. Don't misunderstand me, but I can't explain to you how it happened. <laughs> It was a, at the very least, I will say this was a fun game. It was infinitely more fun. Uh, how much of that is knowing that Villanova is a considerably better team? I'll leave up to you. But, you know, just going straight into the stats, uh, Arthur Kaluma had 44 minutes, 26 points, 10 of 13 from the field, 3 of 3 from deep, uh, 3 of 3 on his free throws as well. 9 boards, 1 foul, 4 assists, 5 turnovers. The only complaint there is the 5 turnovers. And also the fact he only had 1 board in the second half because he was on double-double watch and like 10 minutes left in the first. Yeah, he racked up 8 rebounds really quickly in the first half and then he just stopped. And that was really frustrating because 2 games in a row, he is nearly at a double-double. So... But Cam Carter, 42 minutes, 16 points on 7-12 from the field, 2-5 of five from 3, uh, 4 rebounds, 2 fouls, 3 assists, 1 turnover, 1 steal. Tyler Perry, 41 minutes, 10 total points, 4-12 of 12 from the field, 2-10 of 10 from 3, which of course were the two biggest shots of the game because Mr. Big Shot is here, I guess. Uh, 1 rebound, 3 fouls, 6 assists, 2 turnovers, no steals. Uh, Will McNair back in the starting lineup, 31 minutes, not uh, 9 points, 4 of 10 from the field, 1 of 1 on his free throw attempts, 6 rebounds, 2 fouls, 2 turnovers, 2 blocks, 1 steal, and then David Gasson, 37 minutes, 4 points, 2 of 7 from the field, uh, 0 of 2 from his 3 three point attempts, though they did look infinitely better than they have before. Uh, Ten total rebounds, one foul, one assist, four turnovers. I'm sorry I keep laughing, but David Gasson is the Christian Duffy of the, <laughs> the basketball team. Where he normally he's very steady, but whenever he makes a mistake, he tends to make the funniest possible mistake. Um, if Hayes is listening to this, I'm sure he's having a grand old time. But two bucks and one steal. So 
pretty decent. You have three of your starters in double digits, although you want Tyler Perry to be a little bit more consistent with his scoring, maybe push into the, you know, at least the mid-teens with, you know, the points. But you're not going to turn down a 26-point performance from King Arthur. No, not at all. Arthur Kaluma, the last uh, few weeks, with the exception of the North Alabama game, has kind of emerged as this team's most reliable scoring threat. Uh, I mean, right now he's averaging the most points on the team. Granted, it's just by uh, a tenth of a point uh, right now because Cam Carter, Tyler Perry, and Arthur Kaluma, they're all sandwiched together right now around the 16 and a half, and they're all off by like 0.1 points per game. Uh, but Kaluma incredible game from him perfect from three and he really let the game uh just come to him and that worked out super well for him that and tyler perry it's frustrating that he's going two of ten from three but he's making them when it counts and that huge three at the end of overtime uh, was one of the better crowd reactions that bramlich has had in a long time uh so huge shout out there uh, that was a massive win I wish we could go back to when we won this game because everything was good. <laughs> everything was happy. But just so, so clutch from Tyler Perry uh, to, to to make that shot there at the end and what was a super entertaining game, like you said. Uh, and then the bench, not a lot going for the bench. Only three players, and none of them really made massive impacts. Uh, Day Day Ames is the only one who... Uh, scored. He scored seven points in 19 minutes. He was 2-5 from the field, 1-2 from three, made two free throws, and one rebound, two fouls, a turnover, and a steal. And then R.J. Jones, he only played six minutes, but he had two rebounds, a foul, an assist, and two steals. So pretty solid stat line for just six minutes uh, from the freshman. And then Jarrell Colbert, he played five minutes, and he had one foul and did nothing else. So... It was a really confusing foul as well, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, I think, you, I think you're right. I, I don't remember much of it, but I, it definitely was a little weird. But this was a really hard-fought victory for a game that we didn't have a lot of faith in based on the uh, prior uh, few outings that we had seen. But Arthur Kaluma was super consistent throughout this game. Tyler Perry stepped up when we needed him. Uh, Will McNair was back and playing pretty solid. Uh, and Cam Carter had a good game, too. So when these, when, when that big three of Kaluma, Carter, and Perry are able to all get into double figures, that just does wonders for this team. And that's what we're going to need now. Yeah. Also worth noting, nope, no, I had it and I lost it. That, that's really unfortunate. I'm really sorry about that, man. <laughs> Dang, that sucks. But yeah, this was a super fun game. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to pull it out, but it's just going to be really difficult to continue to win games like this because this now marks three straight overtime victories uh, for K-State. And so we've now, at this point, played almost an entire extra half of... No, we have played an extra half of yep, basketball this we year. Because we've been in overtime four times, including three times in a row. So we have played 20 more minutes of basketball than have been necessary this <laughs> year. Yeah, I think that's the best way of putting it. The thought's gone, by the way. It's not coming back. I was trying to buy time for you, but... Yeah, I appreciate that. It's not coming back. I'm really sorry. It'll come up in the middle of the women's game. Uh... <laughs> But the next men's basketball games are December 9th up against LSU 
in Baton Rouge. I was about to make a Baton Rouge comment. I'm good, actually. But uh, the last time we made a Baton Rouge comment, LSU fans got very upset. If I speak, big trouble. Um, And then the next one doesn't necessarily matter because we'll get to talk about it again. But it is Nebraska at home. Uh, The next home men's basketball game. I'm just going to leave that one there. I'm just going to leave that one there and provide no further comment. But that is the men's basketball schedule. Now we can talk about the women's team. And once again, it's the team we're most excited to cover. Um, they, The two games that there are is up against Jackson State and McNeese State. They embarrassed a good Jackson State squad. And, like, you know, they're... Jackson State going into this was 5-1. and one. This is not a Jackson State squad that should be held to under 40. Uh, they did it. Not only did they, not only did K-State do it, they doubled them up. It was 79-37. to 37. Uh, <laughs> Guys, I think this team might be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was a Jackson State team that gave UCF a run for their money and beat... Uh, St. John's. So they're out here and they're competing and beating uh, high majors. And then K-State just jumped out to a huge lead really fast and ends up just blowing them out by 42. Yeah. And this this one was never in doubt. Uh, this women's team's been so much fun to watch. They've been everything that I've hoped for and more. Uh, and they actually shot really well from three in this game, too. They made ten threes in this game for the first time in an eternity. <laughs> it, it was probably sometime last year, but it feels like it's been a long time. Uh, they just, as a whole, were really solid. There was no one player that jumps out on the uh, like points line here. I mean, the most points scored by anybody in this game was 13, but all but two players scored. I know actually all but one player scored in this game. Uh, but we'll start with the uh, uh, the starters here, uh, who luckily didn't have to play too much in this one. Jalen Glenn had 13 points and led the team uh, in just 25 minutes, 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. Had 4 rebounds, 2 fouls, 2 assists, a turnover, and then, of course, 3 steals. Aoka uh, Lee had 12 points in just 23 minutes, 5 of 9 from the field, 2 of 2 at the free throw line. Then added five rebounds, had two fouls, and had two blocks and a steal. Serena Sundell had 10 points in just 25 minutes, five of six from the field, missed her one three attempt and her one free throw attempt, but had seven rebounds, one foul, five assists, just one turnover, and then a block and a steal. Full so stat sheet. Full stat sheet for Serena Sundell. Uh, then Gabby Gregory, she had an all right game, didn't have to do a ton of shooting, but was a little bit better than she has been in that department. Eight points, three of eight from the field, two of six from three, and add two rebounds, four assists. Did have five turnovers, though, but that's okay. If you're going to have five turnovers, this is probably the game to do it. And then Briley Glenn finished out the starters with seven points, two of four from the field, one of three from three, made her two free throws, had three rebounds. Then one assist, zero turnovers, and a steal. So not a lot of playing time for the starters because we're luckily doing things that great teams do, and that's blow out bad teams in your non-conference, so you can rest your starters. Yeah, I don't even think this is a bad team. <laughs> yeah. Lots of it, like, they're just not on the same level. Which I thought that they might give us a bit of a run for our money because Jackson State is a 
a team that's super tall. They're freakishly tall and they're pretty athletic despite their height as well. Yeah, they're they're the uh, really the only team this year that has position by position really matched up with us um, height wise. Uh, across every position, maybe with the exception of point guard. Their point guard was a lot shorter than Serena, but Serena's also just a freakishly tall point guard. So it's hard to blame them for that. But yeah, this was a game where I thought they might cause some problems for us, but instead we just shot the lights out of the gym, 10 of 23 from three-point range, uh, nearly 50% from the field, and just controlled and had no issues in this game really yeah now we can go through the long list of bench players who played uh terrence sides played 20 minutes 10 points three of six from the field three of four on her three three attempts one of two from the charity stripe five rebounds two fouls one assist one turnover one block only one steal away from a full stat sheet also five rebounds at five six against a ridiculously tall jackson state squad is crazy (laughs) Um, Gisela Sanchez, six points uh, with 20 minutes, three of nine from the field, 0 of one from three, uh, six rebounds, four assists, one turnover, one block. Uh, Zayana Walker, four four points on 15 minutes, one of four from the field, 0 of one from three, made both of her free throw attempts, got four boards, two fouls, five assists, four turnovers, two steals. Uh, Eliza Maupin, three points on six minutes, one of two from the field, one of two from the free throw line. Two rebounds, one foul, one steal. Rebecca Dollinger, three points on four minutes, one of two from the field, one of one from three with one offensive rebound and two turnovers. Jamia Harris, um, two points on ten minutes, one of two from the field with one foul. Imani Lester, one point, seven minutes, oh, one from the field, one of two from the free throw line. Three rebounds, one foul, one assist, two blocks. And then finally, Heavenly Greer, uh, no points, six minutes, four fouls, one steal, which sounds like a pretty typical Heavenly Greer being watched closely by the referee's <laughs> moment. Yeah, that, that's her penance for getting out of NCAA jail. Yeah. Is she gets called for a foul a minute or something like that. But yeah, this was exactly what we should expect from this uh, women's basketball team. They shot over 50% in the first half. And the second half, we're largely on cruise control offensively uh, and held a team under 40. I mean, never can complain about that, especially a team that's beaten some actually good squads this year in Jackson State. So a pretty solid win, very solid win uh, from K-State women's basketball. But it does get even better. Oh, it gets, oh, it gets way better. Dropping a 100-burger on McNeese State. Uh, granted, a very a not very good McNeese State squad, but no one needs to know that. Um, 101 to 39. Um, I felt bad like two minutes into the second quarter. <laughs> yeah, this is a weird McNeese State team. Uh, the game before this, they beat some NAIA school 102 to 28. Uh, and the game before that, they lost to Baylor by 80. So, this is a, a team of extremes, extremes. We'll, we'll say. We'll, we'll call it that. But K-State was up by 30 in the second quarter of this one. They were up by 40 by the fourth quarter. And they truly redefined the meaning of the word coasting uh, by, like, the halfway point of the second quarter. 
in this one. So you you get the starters this time though. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. None of the starters played more than twenty one minutes. Uh, Gabby Gregory, sixteen points on fifteen minutes, five of eleven from the field, two of seven from three. Perfect from the free throw line, four of four. Three rebounds, three assists, one block, one steal. Uh, Ioka Lee, 15 points on 17 minutes, 7 of 10 from the field, 1 of 2 from the free throw line, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 turnover, 2 blocks, one of which was a murder. <laughs> uh, seriously, if you haven't found that highlight of of Ioka just destroying some poor shot and then Gabby Gregory laughing immediately afterwards... <laughs> Gabby Gregory like was surprised by it as well. She just put her hand over her mouth and started laughing because she wanted to be polite and not laugh at the person's face. <laughs> um, I feel bad for laughing. They don't deserve that, but at the same time, it's really funny. Uh, Briley Glenn, 11 points, 16 minutes, 5 of 8 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3. Uh, 2 rebounds, 1 foul, 5 total steals, so... Taking a little bit of a, from her sister's book there from the Steels. Uh, speaking of, Jalen Glenn, 7 points, 18 minutes, 3 of 6 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, perfect from the free throw line, 1 of 1. Uh, 9 rebounds, 2 fouls, 3 assists, 2 steals. And then finally, Serena Sendell, uh, 5 points, 21 minutes, 2 of 7 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3. Uh, 3 rebounds, 1 foul, 6 assists, 2 turnovers. So again, you Ideally, you want Serena Sundell to do more. Yada, yada, yada. We blew him out by 70. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not a lot to really take from the starters' performances in this game, I think. Uh, there was just complete domination when they were on the floor, except for kind of the first quarter for a bit. We were, I think, sleepwalking a little bit to start the game. Uh, we, I got that figured out pretty quickly, but... We moved on, and uh, we also got to see the reserves a lot in this game. Uh, arguably, the best performance was by one of those reserves, Gisela Sanchez. Uh, had maybe her best game as a Wildcat. She had 12 points on 5 of 7 from the field and was 2 of 2 from 3-point range. She added 8 rebounds, 1 foul, 2 assists, 2 turnovers, 4 blocks, and then a steal as well. So she was really, really good uh, against McNeese State. And then another player that everybody's been having a lot of fun watching this year is Terrence Sides, and she had a pretty good game too. And nine points on three of nine from the field. Didn't make any threes, but she did make all three of her free throws. And she had three rebounds, two fouls, and then eight assists to zero turnovers, including some very nice passes in transition, including a nice behind the back at one point. So really nice stuff from... Uh, Terrence Sides, who is already pretty much completely up to speed as a uh, Power 5 athlete. So that's been really encouraging to see. Uh, It was good to see her get a lot of of run in this game. Heavenly Greer's up next. She only played 9 minutes, but had 7 points. was 3 of 3 from the field, made her 1 free throw. And she had 3 rebounds, 1 turnover, 2 blocks. Uh, Eliza Maupin played 10 minutes and had 6 points and made 2 shots. Two of four from the free throw line at four rebounds, a foul, and then two assists with two steals. Jamia Harris played 16 minutes in this one and played five uh, or had five points, one of four from the field. All of those attempts were threes, and then had two free throw makes as well. She had one rebound, three fouls, one assist, two turnovers. 
Uh, Zayana Walker uh, had 15 minutes played, four points, two of three from the field, five rebounds, uh, two turnovers, and a steal. Rebecca Dollinger got 10 minutes as well, had four points, two of three from the field, and 0 of one from three, two rebounds, and an assist. And Amani Lester, uh, only player on the roster not to score in this one, uh, had 11 minutes played, 0 of four from the field, five rebounds, four fouls, three turnovers, three blocks, and a steal. So, yeah, pretty much everyone was involved in the game. Only one player didn't even uh, get to 10 minutes, and that was Heavenly Greer. But we were rotating pretty heavily in this one. Uh, this was a lot of fun, especially if you uh, wanted to see some of the players that you may not get to see as much in a conference play because uh, we really emptied the bench early in this one. Uh, there's a lot of talent on this team, and that's uh, become super obvious. Uh, there's a lot of players to really enjoy watching on this team so this one was fun this one was a lot of fun it was uh, a breath of fresh air on a very dark day oh god yeah for because this and of course this game was on the day of uh, the day of the, reckoning the day of reckoning for k-state so this was a, at the very least a, a nice uh, little send-off uh, at the end of maybe the worst day of all time uh for k-state athletics uh so they uh, the women's team did take up the the mantle there. Uh, uh, just blew out a team that deserved to get blown out, I guess. Yeah. In terms of upcoming games, there's really only one in between now and our next recording, and that is MU. Uh, I think you can listen to it. Apparently it's listed as ESPN+, Plus, so maybe you can actually watch it, which would be a nice change. But... <laughs> Uh, any final thoughts for this week, or are you ready to put this week behind us forever? I think it's probably time to let this week go, uh, which is it's too bad because there have been some really great performances from this past week, like the men's basketball team and their thriller against Villanova and the women's basketball team just playing at such a high level right now. Uh, it's always going to be overshadowed uh, by some of the off-the-court stuff that's been going on uh, this week. Uh, but you know, there were still, despite some of the bad things going on in the uh, periphery, uh, there were some really great uh, on-the-court performances that shouldn't be overlooked this week. So I hope everybody takes the time, or at least some people take the time, to uh, uh, appreciate the, uh, uh, the performances that happened uh, over the, the last week. Yep. But that's pretty much it for this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us just about anywhere at Aggieville Cats. If you want to email us, we're AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00. I am at Connor Baltazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store. Link in our podcast and Twitter bios. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.